This story uh, is able to be identified with men and women, uh, and I hope you'll enjoy it. But before I get started, I, uh, I was blessed to run into a, a really neat woman, and she overlooked my incompleteness and married me 41, two years ago. And we were together over five years or about five years without children. And she was a professional, was in management and and accomplished in a lot of ways. And then we decided and and with the Lord's blessing had began to have children. And I watched a mom up close. You know, I had a mom too. We all had moms, right? But I watched a mom up close, all that goes on and and all that is dealt with. And I just have to say, we have four children now and uh, maybe fifth sometimes when you count me. But uh, she did an amazing job. And I know there were times... And I don't know, moms, if you ever feel this, there are times that the, all the demands of being a mom can sometimes wear on you. Hmm? Yeah. I was thinking I might get close on that one. Might wear on you. I mean, you're blessed and everything, but might wear. I mean, I've, I've even talked to, to many who will say I kind of lost me in the midst of raising a family. And I pray that this scripture straight out of the word of God blesses you today. It's not me speaking it, it's the Holy Spirit using it in you. Are you all ready to receive some, a ministry from God? Anybody? Anybody in here? All right. All right. So let's talk about the, the characters or the, the people that are key uh, characters. A- Abram or Abraham is later, his name's changed. But Sarai, who has later become Sarah, is the wife of Abraham. She's been childless up, to, up to, to, for 90 years before she had a child. And she's promised by God that she'd be the mother of all nations. But she got to a place of not believing how many of you have had to wait long enough that you begin to say, hmm, I guess he's forgot about that, or maybe he's changed his mind. If God makes a promise, it's worth hanging on until he fulfills it, because God's a God that always answers his promises. But her doubt caused her to take the reins in her own hands. Now, men, this applies to us, too, where we'll just, you know, well, if it's to be, it's up to me. You know, maybe God gave you an impression or a direction, but you kind of grabbed it and ran with it. That's what happened in my life. I know that. But anyway, she uh, talks to Abraham, and I'm going to paraphrase some of these slides. These are available if you want to look at them later online. But t- took her maidservant, Hagar, and, and said, hey, I can fulfill the need. It was very important to have children back then. I'm going to use somebody else, somebody that is my slave, to have a baby, so I'll have one. And she stepped out and said, hey, you go and uh, be with her, Abram, Abram at the time. And so 14 years after Ishmael, there was actually the fulfillment of God. It was 14. They're talking about Ishmael was 14-year-old teenager when Isaac was born. Hagar, imagine this, is a, probably a teenager. Uh, she was purchased uh, out of Egypt, and she was a slave uh, who served actually Sarai. And Sarai gave her uh, Abraham to conceive an heir. And so here's this young person who begins, is uh, an 80-some-odd-year-old man, and, and I'm sure he was doing it by obligation. Uh, she became uh, the bearer of his child. And that's not what she had pictured. Imagine that, not what she had pictured for her life. And through that, we're going to find that she fled to the wilderness. There was just so much on her. How could I find myself in this situation? And I, and I don't know if you've ever been there. I know many have where you feel like you are, or have been brought to a place that you never wanted to be. And you fill in the desert. 
We, we know that Hagar uh, is the mother of Ishmael, and she was uh, revered, or it still currently is revered by the Islamic faith as the, what, grandmother of the Arabs. And so this is something that God used in the end, in chapter 21, to fulfill his promise, even with her life. But let's, let's dive in. If you have your Bibles, chapter 16 of Genesis, we're looking at the first 13 verses. Again, there's a lot more if you continue on to chapter 21, but we're going to kind of hone in on this for the story this morning. If you want to follow on along. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Verse 2, and Sarai said to Abram, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. That's not what he said. She's perceiving. Go in to my servant. It may be that I shall obtain a child by her. And so Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan and Sarai and Adam's wife took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her Abram, her wife, husband, as a wife. Side note here, side note here. Back then there wasn't a lot of ceremony, but if you, man, decided to be with a woman, you're married, and he took care of you the rest of his life. Wouldn't that be a great thing if today that happened? Hello? Because so many times we find in our culture that it's the ceremony versus the commitment to receive the gift. So let's, anyway, I better get on. Let me move on here. Verse 4. Verse 4, and he went to Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had been conceived, she looked uh, with contempt on her mistress. Now, some people view that as contempt is, uh, look at me, I'm, I'm better than you. And it kind of a pride thing. But let's, let's go back to this. She was a young person. She was a slave. She didn't have any choice. She was told to do this. It probably wasn't the picture of the man or husband that she wanted. And here she she is caring knowing she can't keep the baby it's not hers and in that culture without having a baby you're kind of less than instead of more than but there was contempt and so sarah picked up on this in verse five it says and made the wrong done to me now i'm going to go to a sin that started in the garden of eden you remember what happened when god asked adam who gave you this apple Eve did, we blame other people, right? So, when, so she's doing the same kind of thing. You know, instead of taking responsibility, she says, well, it's the, the I gave you my servant, and when she says, saw that she was conceived, she looked at me in contempt. May the Lord judge you. Wow. Verse 6, but Abram said to Sarai, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Notice they were never calling her by Hagar, her, her name. It's her servant, her servant. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her and, and she fled from her. So she's left and gone into the desert. She's left what she's known for the last number of years. She's pregnant. She's scared. She's alone. And, they, and she rushes out and finds herself at this little well or oasis. And the angel of the Lord found her. Found her by, now isn't that interesting? The Lord knows where she, knew where she was at all along. But found her by the spring of water in the wilderness and the spring on the way to Sur. And he said, Hagar. First time in this scripture that she's called by her name. Very important here. The Lord knows you and all of us in this room, even when we don't think anybody cares. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she says, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Boy, the Lord has an interesting way of helping us out. Go back and do, be obedient to me and I'll take care of you, basically. But many times we want to run away where it's easier. 
She didn't do that. The angel of the Lord said, also, I will surely multiply. He not only told her to go back and be obedient to fulfill what God had planned, but he would, not, would also give blessing and assurance of what was to come. And he says, I surely I will multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for the multitude. Pretty interesting. Goes on in verse 11, And the angel Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. The Lord is listening to you today. I don't know who in this room. I don't know if there are people online, but I know we all uh, can say that we've been in the desert and we have been places where the Lord wants to intersect our lives and bring us encouragement. This next slide, I thought about one of my children, but I, I didn't really want to name them since they might watch. No, it says, and she, he shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone else's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against his kinsmen. And I'm just kidding about my kids. They were, they're wonderful because they had a great mom. Okay. Did I get out of that one yet? Okay. Verse 13, and she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. This is the first time we see someone naming God. You are a God of seeing, for she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. I know in this room there's enough people that have said God has met me in some really tough places. And I realized at that moment he, he's been watching me all along and he knew me. So they called this well bear lahai roai. It means that uh, it's this, this well between Kadesh and Bered. Let's all say this out loud together. El roai. Okay, let's say it with me. El roai, the God who sees. If nothing else today, I hope that you catch the phrase that God sees you. God sees you. Look around this room. See, you're able to see, but God sees everything about you. Sees your, your external behavior. He sees your heart. He sees your mind. God sees you. This is what, what this, is, this is revealing even to, to Hagar. And it says, And Hagar bore Adam a son, and Abram called the, the name of the son who Abram, uh, Hagar bore Ishmael. And Abram was about 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram And that well, it's interesting if you define this well they talked about, uh, is the well of him that lives and sees me. It's the well of vision of life. It's talking about the Lord's encounter with somebody in their life. A little review here. She was a mistress, was mistreated. She was asked to do some things she didn't want to do. But she had no choice and the pressure just got so much that she finally fled because she couldn't take it anymore. How many have been there, at least in your mind before? And she found herself alone and defenseless without shelter, without, she, she, was, she was scared. She, she was lonely. She was, felt unloved and wondered, did God even see her? Who cares? Does anybody care for me? We can get into situations and hard places where we lose sight of our faith, even though you say, well, I have a, I'm a Christian, I have a faith. But we can allow the noise and the, and the distractions. I, 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 I've done this before. Uh, if you take your finger, and let's call this whatever problem, your situation, and hold it up real close to one eye, close one eye and hold it, all you can see is it. And God wants to say, hey, gain the perspective that this is part of, I'm, I've got all this. I've got you. You know, get, get some altitude in your thinking to give you encouragement that I'm still God and I'm over even 
that. So we take this story, this simple story, and we ask ourselves, what about my story? Can I relate to that? And this is men and women. Maybe you have had a spouse, in this case a husband, or maybe you've had a spouse who's abandoned you. Now, I'm not talking just physical. Uh, for years, uh, before we had counseling and I got help, uh, I would go and make money. I was good at making money, and this is pre-ministry. Pre, uh, pre and, and I remember sitting in the counselor's office, and, and I, they, he drew a circle, and he says, uh, put, put your family in. So I put my wife, and at that time, two kids. And, and, and I said, he said, well, where are you? I said, well, I, I go out, and I earn, and I take care of, and I provide. And, 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 he, and, and the family said, but we want you in the circle. So I was great at provision, but I wasn't always present. Have you ever seen any man that's not present? He's there physically, but not mentally. All of us can be there. Maybe you've lost a job, or maybe you've lost your home, and, and your story, or maybe it was parents, maybe parents that neglected you in growing up, or, or maybe you were wrongly abused as a child. God saw it, and his heart broke for you. Maybe your employer overlooks you and, and you do all this hard work and you're yearning for that next promotion and it skips past you. Or one of the things that hurts even most is a friend. A friend who betrays you. Are you is this landing on anybody at all? Is this, can you relate to any of this? Absolutely. And you're wondering, does anybody care? Does anybody know what I'm going through? God, do you not see me? This is what Hagar was feeling. These are the things that we can say we feel. And, 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 and the answer to the question, obviously, is yes, he sees you. Yes, he sees you. That's the God of who he is. El Roi, the God who sees. And when we, when we take this and, and just look at four points, and I want to wrap up with this, is the God who sees you, right? That's number one. See, he knows every hair on your head, it says in Scripture. And some of you have less hair than others, but he knows every one of them. You know, I was looking at one person, I shifted my gaze, and then I found another. Anyway, it's a lot of smart people in here. You know, it just burns off the follicles when you got, you're, you're so smart. And some of you are so, I mean, and it, or it comes out here. I don't know which way, how it works, but anyway. He sees your worth, and Luke chapter 12 says that. He, he says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That, this is Scripture saying God sees you. You are important. In fact, it says in John three sixteen, he loved you so much that what did he do? He sent his only begotten son to take all the ugly, all the pain that would come from your sin, and he took it upon himself because he wants to restore and have a relationship with you. It says here in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, you're his piece of work. I've said that about myself before. I had people used to tell me, you're a piece of work. <laughs> I thought they were complimenting me. <laughs> but if you're a Christian, you can say, thank you. God's at work on me, right? You're a, you're, you're a workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared before him, meaning before you were even conceived, that we should walk in them. This is a beautiful thing of God actually sees you. The next thing is he knows your name good thing to think about when you're one of those hard places he sees me and he knows your name look at genesis 16 2 5 and 6 it says sarah and it's, it's this this slave girl slave girl but hagar god knew her name and when we hear our name it's it's a beautiful uh, valuing 
aspect of humans is when we run into somebody and they call you by name. God knows your name. God knows your name. He says that every name, every person is, has a name. And one thing that it says in Isaiah 49 is it's impressed upon his it's engraved. It's, it, it's deep in the palm of his hand. I'm not saying that the, the spike that we think is all about sin, but the fact that he took that for you and I, he had love on his mind, love for you. And that doesn't go away. Furthermore, if you're in Christ, if you've said yes and believe in what he, 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 he did at Calvary, what does it say here? It says that, uh, that if you believe in his name and accept the free gift of grace, it says what? Your name is written where? In the Lamb's book of life forever and ever you continue on. Amen? Third thing is he sees your situation. He sees everything. It may have recently caught you by surprise, your situation, but he's not surprised. He sees exactly what's going on. He's got a plan for you, and you must trust him. That's the hardest thing for us to do. But your life's always before him. A pastor and actually an author uh, wrote this, Stephen. It says, Jesus knows us fully. He knows every nook and cranny of us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he also knows suffering how on an intense personal level he meets us in our downcast state and pours out grace upon us isn't that true amen so he sees you he knows your name i hope this encourages somebody straight out of scripture he sees your situation and he sees your need not only the predicament you're in he knows what's coming to 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 bless you to meet those needs he came to hagar he sought her out he arrived at the greatest need of her, moment of her need. Maybe you're there. Maybe it's just ahead, but God will meet you there. Why does he do that? He wants to reassure us. He wants you to realize that you're loved and not forgotten. He wants you to know that he's, just like for Hagar, that he will be taking care of you, not only you, but the rest of your generations if you trust him. God sees your need. God's promise is, I will never leave you or forsake you. God's El Roi means out of his grace and mercy that they'll be there in the greatest times of need. He, he also meets physical needs too. We find in Matthew chapter 6. This is, this is what we see in the story of Hagar, but really it's the story of his love for you and I. I'd like us to read these two verses, and then we'll wrap up to this special thing we're going to do with moms. Let's read this out loud together. I, I just want us to proclaim it over each of us and, and for ourselves. Are you ready? Here we go. You are El Roi, a God of seeing. Truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Anybody know a, a, a time God's touched your life? Absolutely. The next one, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he what? He cares for you. We're loving the idea of, of dumping our anxiety, but here's the biggest, more important thing. He cares for you, no matter what you're facing, today or tomorrow. That's the God that loves you. All right, now we're going to do something special for moms 
special for moms. What we're going to do is we're going to have some of our ushers uh, get up at this point, and we're going to go grab some roses. We have buckets of roses. And what I'm going to ask is every one of the moms in this room to come on up here and just line up on stage. As soon as they get here, uh, give, them, give them a second to get the roses out here. But I want you to come up and, and just stand here. We've got some chairs uh, that they'll bring out for any, any, uh, anybody that needs to see, sit down that can't stand, okay? And then we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna pray over you, a, kind of a blessing at the end, but we have a photo. A lot of people like to take photos right now. The first service, we were loaded from one end to the other. And uh, so give us one second, we'll set this up. How many would like a chair, ladies, raise a hand. One, two, three, four. Put about, start right here in the middle and just put about six. Three on each side. Let's just start with six. See if, see what. All right, ladies, come on up and we'll give you a rose and just stand up here for a photo op and then we'll dismiss today. Thank you all for being here. We love you. And I'll get out of the way. One more on this side and then I'm, I'm going to get over here out of the way. I know it. I know it. Look at all these. Aren't you all glad for these moms? Yes. Amazing, amazing moms. Oh. Amazing moms. Yeah. You know, the uh, first service, I forgot to bring up the, the one with the most kids. I, I, I think I know in this service. Last service, the Mannings were here, and they had 59 foster kids and six of their own. I think they won that one. Set six, 59, that'd be 60 something kids. I forgot. In this service. If you all can kind of scrunch in, let's fill up behind the chairs and try to move so the, the, it all fits. There's a whole row uh, just behind. Oh, I see it. There we go. Kind of where Jan's at. Yep. All right. Scooch in. For the rest of us, we are blessed that God allow these people in our lives. So I'm going to tell you that that is a beautiful thing. Amen. Beautiful thing. All right, we're going to take a photo and uh, zooming out. I'm going to get out of the way, get back far enough. You want to? Well, we'll do. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We can always crop. All right. So each of you, I'm going to, a couple of, yeah. There'll be eight by ten packages with five by sevens and four. No, I'm joking. <laughs> joking, joking, joking. So you all have got a rose. I want to tell you, in with this. A rose starts off as a seed or a seedling. It's planted, but it has to break forth. And what the first thing that happens after, as, as far as a, um, a result of that, growth is a bud a rose bud and every one of you are were rose buds at one time 
And then that rosebud, given enough nourishment in the right environment, begins to grow and eventually begins to blossom. But it doesn't do it immediately. It takes time. But that beauty in a rosebud is really nice. But as it blossoms, it gets more beautiful and more beautiful and more beautiful. And its bouquet, the aroma of that rose's life becomes more and more apparent. And if you apply that to your life, God saw you. You were planted and birthed into life. And you went from a rosebud and you're currently becoming more and more beautiful every day. And so this is a symbol of our heart to you, of what we see God in you. So let the Lord water you and give that environment for you to become all he mentioned for you to be. Amen? Amen. And that the aroma of you would reflect Christ. So I'd like to pray over you and with you, and we'll close on this. Father God, thank you for these ladies. Father, thanks, thank you for moms and those that can be here. Bless them. Those that can't, we ask you to bless them too. Father, thank you for moms that have gone before us and are in heaven now. But Lord, these moms are here, and so I ask you to bless them with an awareness of you, pray health over their bodies, health over their minds and hearts, Father. Give them clarity when they're dealing with life issues right now. Give them today a, a blessing from heaven as well as here on earth. And let them be restored in the ways they need to be restored, healed where there need to be healing. And Lord, liberty, freedom for those things that need to be set free. We know you're that kind of God that sees them, knows their name, not only understands the situation, but can meet every need. And so in the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. 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 God bless you all. We're done. Dismissed. Amen.